Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood, with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host, Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time, and at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles to bedtime snuggles and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joy. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. Chapter one, team mom. Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Chapters of Motherhood. As I mentioned in my intro, I did become a mom at 17. So this is going to get real, real quick. Okay. So um, picture this. It was the summer of 1992. I was about to enter my senior year of high school. And I had been with my boyfriend for a little over three years. And in the past, you know, we had messed around here and there, but we never went all the way. And I was ready to break up with him. And I thought, you know, it's, we've been together for a long time. So, you know, he deserves it. Right. But I told him that he needed to wear protection. That was my number one thing. He had to wear protection. And, um, like I said, it's going to get real, real quick. So I told him, um, to put on protection and I would see him put it on and he would adjust And next thing I knew, um, you know, I didn't know the difference, but he was taking it off. And um, during that time, um, I was uh, having a lot of uh, premenstrual pain and, you know, the periods were so heavy and they were just, it was bad. So I had gone to the doctor and the doctor had finally convinced my ultra Catholic mother that I needed to be on birth control in order to regulate the periods and in order to, because they weren't regular either. They, they would, you know, it would take six weeks. It would take three, three weeks. It would, you know, it was just, it just wasn't regular. And so, um, I finally, you know, they finally convinced her to let me be on the pill. And during this time we were waiting for, um, my period to start and it hadn't started. And I would tell them, well, you know, it, it doesn't come regularly. It doesn't come every month. So they decided to do a pregnancy test and I thought, you know, okay, no big deal. And it came back faintly positive. And so when they asked me about it, I thought, no, no way, you know, do a blood test. No way. And so I thought it was so funny. I called up my boyfriend. I told him, you know, what was the problem? And he just stayed pretty silent, not laughing with me. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. And he told me, I didn't think that you were going to find out this soon. I was mind blown, right? And he explained to me what he had been doing. He had been taking it off. And that's why... um, it is very possible that I was pregnant. And of course I was. The blood test came back and said that I was. And I just felt, you know, here I am, 17 and pregnant, about to start high school my senior year. And, you know, I'm scared. I'm confused. Like, why would he do that? I felt so betrayed. But at the same time, I was like, you know, 
I knew it was a possibility, even though I thought we were using protection, I knew it was a possibility. And I thought, you know, I'm, even though I'm pro-choice, you know, abortion's not for me. So that didn't even come into play. I didn't even, it didn't even, it wasn't even a thought. It was just, that wasn't for me. So there I was, confused, betrayed, and he just wanted to be with me. He knew that I wanted to break up. He did it on purpose so that I wouldn't break up with him. Essentially, he trapped me. And I thought, well, you know, he really wants this baby. So I guess we're just going to go ahead and go through with it. And um, about two, almost three months later passed by and he kept pressuring me to tell my parents. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I just wanted just to wait it out because, you know, you know, you, I just didn't want to. And so around two and a half, three months later, he and his mom showed up at my house, like surprised me even. And like his mom told my parents. And, and that was it. Like he, like they told him, they, they just said, you know, she's pregnant and we're here for her. And my, of course my parents were, you know, livid, so angry. They felt betrayed, you know, and at this time I'm 17 and he is 20. And, you know, we both met while we were, you know, underage, obviously, but at this time he was already 20. And so my mom thought, you know, fine, if you want to leave, leave, because if not, I'll, I can call the cops, you know, so she decided not to. And my parents like basically kicked me out. And so I left with them at that moment. And, you know, I left crying because I didn't I didn't want to leave. Yes, I was pregnant, but no, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to go move in with him. I wanted to stay home in the safety of my parents nest if you will. And so we left and I moved in with him and it was a rude awakening. It was not the same, you know, living with him versus living with my parents. You know, my parents always made sure I had everything that I needed. You know, they would go without so that I can have, you know, what I needed. And with him, it was very different because, you know, now he had a young, you know, bride, if you will. And, I needed to depend on him and he, he was working at the time. He did have a full-time job and, but he didn't understand that I needed clothes. I needed shoes. I need, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm, I was stick skinny. I was 89 pounds at the time. Um, I've always, I've back then I was always skinny. And so I needed clothes immediately. My, my underwears were ripping my, you know, I was outgrowing my size two at the time. They only had size two. They didn't even have size zero, um, clothing. And I was outgrowing everything that used to fit me really loose was just outgrowing right away. My biggest concern was I wanted to finish high school. It was my senior year. I wanted to finish high school. Everybody expected me to drop out. Not only did they expect me to drop out, they told me to my face, you should just drop out. Like, what is the point of you going to high school? And I thought, no, like I'm almost done. Like I want to finish high school. And so with that, I made a plan that I was still going to go to high school. Now I'm living in a different city. 
and I need to go uh, back to Norwalk to finish high school. And I didn't have a way to get to school. And I did have my driver's license at the time. So my, my boyfriend's mom told me, you know, if you need to get to high school, you do have your driver's license. Here are the keys. I, you know, they walked to, they used to uh, walk to work because they, they worked very close. The job was very close to where we lived. And so she didn't need the car. So she gave me the keys and said, you know, don't worry about it. You know, go ahead and drive yourself to school. Well, at the time, my, his, my boyfriend's sister, which, you know, we were both the same age and she was just so hurt that they would let me have the car and not her. But again, I had my driver's license. She didn't. And she could get to school on the bus. I couldn't. I was in a different uh, school district. So she decided to wake up at 530 in the morning, steal the keys and just take the car because she didn't want me to have the car. And so there I am, I'm stuck. I'm like, I need someone to take me to school. Thank God I was able to call one of my friends and she was able to take me to school. And so that's how I did it. Like that's, that's what would happen, you know, for, um, for every day. Like that's what would be happening. She would wake up real early. She would take the keys. They would try to hide it from her. And she just, she just did what she wanted to do which was take the car because she was their daughter and she deserved it. And that was that. And that was fine. I didn't even care. I just wanted to get to school. I just wanted to finish high school. So in December, my boyfriend um, saved enough money to get me a used car. It was a Honda. He called me up and he was like, hey, good news. I got you a car. It's a Honda Accord. Um, it's green and this is 1992. So I'm thinking, oh, cool. You know, it's one of those, those new Hondas. That's awesome. No, it was a Honda from 1979. It was like the very first model. It still had a choke. And I don't know if you guys know about cars. A choke is so old. It's a standard car, you know, it's a stick and you have to use it. I never could understand how to use the, the choke because it, it, I, I don't know how to use it, you know? So it was always dying on me. So there I am, like, what it was I? I was like five months pregnant and the stupid car would die on me and I would have to like get out the car and try to push it because I just didn't know how to work the choke. Anyway, um, back to high school. Uh, once I started showing, I started showing um, somewhere around November, I started showing, I was about five months uh, along. And so that's when staff started noticing, hey, this girl's pregnant. So they pulled me into the office and, you know, my mom was already there. I had no idea they had called her. By the way, during this time, my parents weren't talking to me. They weren't talking to me at all. And most of my family weren't, weren't talking to me either. Um, there was only two cousins that really did talk to me. And, um, so that was it. I, I was alone. I was there with him and his family and, and not really with mine. So when I saw that my mom was there at the school, I was pretty shocked and thought like, Oh wow, what is she doing here? And so they started telling me, Hey, you know, you're pregnant. Um, you're showing this high school isn't safe for you to be here while you're pregnant, you should go to continuation school. And um, my mom didn't say yes or no. She didn't say anything. 
she the about the only thing that she said is I'm surprised she's still in school I thought that she was going to drop out by now and um she was just so angry she was she her anger with me lasted until I had my second child at 21 so it lasted a very long time anyway um back to high school the principal told me it wasn't safe and that I should consider um going to continuation school and I told them, well, what kind of safety guarantee is there in continuation school? My understanding is that continuation school is a lot worse than regular high school as far as safety is concerned. And um, pretty much they were pressuring me to leave the high school and I told them no. And I stayed in school and they couldn't kick me out. I, I, had, I had enough credits. I had good grades. I, you know, I had extra credits as a matter of fact, you know, so they couldn't, there was no real reason to get me to leave that they can force it. It would have been voluntarily my choice. So I stayed and I stayed. And funny thing is not, not, not so much that I'm proud of this or not, but after, after I stayed and other girls saw that I stayed, I started noticing more and more girls that were pregnant staying in the school. And before in the past, they were really quick. They were ushered out like really quick or, you know, they would drop out. But I started noticing like there was a good, I don't know, four or five girls, you know, in the whole school that um, was pregnant and stayed in school, which is I think is a good thing because, you know, we, you know, at least I graduated, you know, in time with my class and, you know, with extra credits. So, uh the way that I did it, well, actually, let me get right back to, you know, the pregnancy. So during this time, I was actually also, you know, my mom is ultra Catholic. And, you know, I was back then as well, you know, a good Catholic girl. And, you know, that, that got pregnant at 17. <laughs> but anyways, I was doing my confirmation classes at the time. And I had missed a year of it. And, um, I had gone back to it and when they started noticing when, you know, the, the, uh, Catholic church, the priest and, um, the, uh, helpers, the teachers started noticing that I was pregnant. They didn't say anything to me because they really, they couldn't, you know, they knew that, you know, confirmation is something that you do at the right age, at a certain age where you're making the conscious decision yourself. So, it had nothing to do with, oh, you're pregnant and you're in high school. They just, they noticed it and they didn't say anything. But I could tell that they were very uncomfortable that all the other students that happened to be school, uh, high school aged as well were noticing. So um, I was able to finish that as well. So because of the confirmation classes, this is what happened. Um, I was uh, eight, eight months. I was like 30. I had, I had I wasn't even 36 weeks yet. And the confirmation classes, uh, you needed to go away on a retreat. It was a one day retreat. And the night before I started noticing that, you know, uh, my mucus plug was coming out and I thought, huh, that's weird. So I told my mom, she's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. That happens. So I thought, okay. So then I started noticing like fluid coming out. And I, so I told my mom again, and she's like, Oh no, no, don't worry about it. It's normal. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Go, go to your retreat. So she had me some maxi pads to soak up the fluid. And I thought, okay, you know, if she says it's okay, it's okay. So I go to my retreat and 
I'm leaking the entire day. So the night before and the entire day, I'm leaking amniotic fluid. So when I get home, I tell my mom, hey, mom, you know, it's, it's a little bit more. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So I go to bed. And in the middle of the night, I think it was like five in the morning or maybe four in the morning. I don't know. I heard a little pop and I thought, oh, my God, I peed myself. And then I realized I go, no, I didn't pee myself. My my water just broke. So, again, I go knock on my mom's door. I'm like, mom, you know, my my water bag broke. And she's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Do you have any pains? And I said, no. And she goes, it's too early. You're only 36 weeks. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Go back to bed. And so my boyfriend at the time was like really worried. He's like, what's going on? You know, should I take you to the hospital? Should I go to work? What do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. And I, and I actually, for whatever reason, I decided to call a cousin of mine. And I told her and she was just so upset with my mom, like saying, you know, she could be in a lot of danger. The baby could be in a lot of danger. She's been leaking, you know, for more than 24 hours. You know, she needs to go to the emergency room. You know, you need to make sure that everything's okay with the baby. So, of course, I go into the emergency room and they check me. And yes, it's my water bag had ruptured. And um, even though there was no labor pains, I told them, you know, I'm only 36 weeks. And they said, well, you know, it's it's coming. You know, the baby's coming. And so I was admitted into the hospital. And because I wasn't having any contractions, the doctor decided to induce my labor. And uh, I believe it was Pitocin in the IV. And this was around 8 a.m. So they left us for a couple of hours. We were watching TV. And when the nurse came back to check on me, I still was not having any contractions, no pain, um, nothing, nothing on the monitor. The cervix was still closed. And... Um, they decided to give me another bag of Pitocin in the IV. And they did mention, the doctor and the nurse did mention that if labor didn't start soon, they were going to um, prep me for a C-section, which is something that I didn't want to do. You know, I was only 17. I, I didn't want to have um, a C-section. I, I went to Lamaze class and I was really looking forward to an all-natural birth. Now, the only reason why I wanted an all-natural birth was because um, at the cl at the Lamont's classes, I was told that if you take any uh, pain reliever or the epidural, they just really scared me. They said, you know, the baby's not going to breathe. And so they really scared me. I, I didn't want to do it. I was, you know, I just decided, you know, that's it. I'm not going to have any type of painkiller. I'm going to go through with this. So sure enough, after the second bag of Pitocin, uh, about 20 to 30 minutes later, oh my God, pain, pain. I started having the labor pains and they were so strong from the very beginning that I started to forget all the breathing techniques that I learned. And I really needed my boyfriend to count. He needed to count the, the breathing exercises for me. And if he didn't, I would start to hyperventilate. So he was really instrumental in the, in the birth because he, he was there. He was holding my hand. He was keeping me focused. He was trying to get me to calm down. And around 4 o'clock or so, both our moms showed up to, to, the, to the hospital. And again, my mom was just so angry. She was just so angry with me that 
Um, she just began with the, you know, oh, you think this is painful? This is nothing. Wait until they're your age. Wait until they're talking back at you. Wait until, you know, this, that, and the other, right? And then I had mentioned that I was hungry. <laughs> and she started, I don't know, teasing me, I guess. And she's like, do you want some spaghetti? I bet you would want some spaghetti right now. Well, you can't have any spaghetti right now. And she was just, she was being awful. She was just, um, just really upsetting me, like really upsetting me. And my mother-in-law was there and, you know, she was sitting there quietly. She was very excited. Um, she was very supportive. And, um, it got to the point where I, I just, I was feeling the pressure and it was such a busy, that day was, or night was such a busy night, or maybe they were understaffed. I don't really know. All I know is that, um, when I felt the urge to push, um, they didn't let me. They said, no, you got to keep holding it. Um, the doctor's not here. He's in another room. Other babies are being delivered. And I really think that it was because of my age that the nursing staff really weren't very sympathetic with me. And um, they weren't very patient with me at all. And because I think I I think it was because of the the two doses of Pitocin that I received um, had me just hyperventilating. I, I couldn't breathe. And um, the the pain was just all the way. Right. And I I they gave me oxygen. OK, let me catch my own breath. <laughs> they gave me oxygen so that um, I could breathe and not hyperventilate. And. I'm a little bit claustrophobic, so anything on my face makes me feel like I'm being suffocated. I can't breathe. So when they kept putting it on me, I kept taking it off because I, it just it made it worse for me. During all that, I was telling the nurse, my mom, my mom, and she's like, oh, don't worry, honey, your mom's right here. And I was like, no, no, my, my mom, my, get her out, like get her out. And she just kind of looked at me like, you know, what do you mean? And during that time, the pain was just so much and I could feel the baby crowning. I felt, I felt the pressure and I kept telling her, I feel like I need to push. I feel like I need to push. And she told me, no, you can't push right now. You know, the doctor is very busy. He's in another room. You just can't push right now. And because of, because I needed to push so badly, my mother-in-law said, said to me in Spanish, go ahead and push. If you need to push, go ahead and push. Don't listen to her. Well, unbeknownst to us, the nurse understood Spanish and that made her mad. That really upset her. So because of that, she decided to kick them both out, my mom and my mother-in-law. She's like, both of you out right now. And so now they're both kicked out and I'm breathing a lot easier because I'm like, okay, now my mom's gone and all that negative energy is gone. I can concentrate. And because I kept taking off the mask from my face, I didn't even realize that the nursing staff had strapped me down to the bed. Like they, they put straps on my wrists and they strapped me down. So when it was finally time where it was like, I just, I can't hold it anymore. I was telling the nurse, I can't hold it anymore. I can't hold it anymore. And I, I need to push. She actually looked me in the face during labor, during crowning, looked me in the face and said, I don't get paid to deliver your baby. The doctor's busy. Hold it. And I was like, hold it. 
how do you how do you hold it like you know that when you're in labor and the baby is crowning there is no holding it this isn't like oh my arm's getting weak no the, the baby is ripping through trying to get out and after she said that I just kind of looked at my at my boyfriend I'm like and I just I couldn't even I couldn't even say anything obviously I, I needed to breathe but after that like I don't know maybe two minutes later the doctor ran in and I was like I can't hold it I can't and he ran in and he said okay honey you can go ahead and start pushing and when he said that they barely had enough time to take off the old gown that he had which still had blood on it from somebody else they barely had time to take off his gown and and bloody gloves as well and put on clean fresh ones and because I had been holding for so long when I started to push and he saw that I started to push I started to tear and um when I started to tear, he didn't have time to give me the anesthesia. He took the, uh, what is that thing, the knife called? I don't remember what the knife is called, but he took the little knife and he just sliced me, just immediately sliced me open and I screamed and it hurt so bad. Oh, that was the other thing I forgot to mention. The other reason why the nursing staff was just, I feel they were so mean to me was because when the labor pain was starting, I started, you know, making noise, you know, making, you know, ow, it hurts. You know, I started making moaning sounds and, you know, roaring sounds. And the nurse told me, uh-uh, uh-uh, no noise. You don't get to make any noise. So my whole labor was, I was afraid to make any noise or let anybody know that I was in pain. So when he sliced me, I screamed. I screamed as loud as I could. And the baby's head was born at that moment. And so doctor told me, okay, okay, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, and they start suctioning it out, suctioning the um, mucus out. And then he told me, go ahead and push again to get the shoulders out. So I pushed again to get the shoulders out. And then he told me, stop pushing, stop pushing. But I, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't stop pushing. So the baby was born, delivered, plopped him on my belly, plopped him on my belly right on top. And I looked at him and he was all bloody and gunky and there was vernix. And I was like, oh my God, like, oh, what, you know, I was like freaked out by it. Right. And I went to try to touch him, but my hands were strapped. And when I looked at my hands, I, I looked at my boyfriend. I'm like, what, what is this? Like, why are my hands strapped down? And so he told the nurse right away, take these things off of her. And by the time they took them off of me, they had already taken the baby away from me. They had already taken him off of my belly and they whisked him off to, I guess, wash him up and whatever. And um, so I didn't even get to touch him uh, after he was born. So after that, you know, the doctor's sewing me up. They're washing up the baby. They bring him back to me, you know, all clean with a little beanie all wrapped up already. And then I finally get to hold him. I'm like, oh my God, he's so beautiful, right? I thought he was just a beautiful baby. Hi friends, I'm popping in real quick just to tell you about this amazing plant medicine, CBD. It has a range of benefits from pain relief, anti-inflammatory, they help control seizures, anxiety, and you know what, just so much more. 
And I've been taking CBD myself for over two years, and I've been recommending it to friends and family. And, you know, I'm just such an advocate for the benefits of CBD and what it has to offer the chronically ill person, the fatigued person, that I just decided to partner up with a company as a distributor for family-friendly CBD. For more information on how CBD could help you and your family and your pets, click on the link in the show notes now. Back to our conversation. So Adam was born 6 pounds, 15 ounces, 21 inches at 36 weeks. So he was a pretty big baby for, um, for only being 36 weeks. And remember, I'm, <laughs> I was only 89 pounds when I got pregnant and I'm only 5'2". So that's a pretty big baby. I had gained 40 pounds when I got pregnant with him in order to have him. So he, he was pretty big at 36 weeks on such a small frame me. Um, so after he was born, um, I told the nursing staff that, you know, I wanted to breastfeed. And they said, okay, here you go. And they handed him to me. And <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm like, okay, well, how do you do this? I, I asked the nurse, you know, I asked her for help. How do you do this? And she's like, well, you know, it's breastfeeding. It's natural. Go ahead. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that I was supposed to put the whole areola in. I, you know, I didn't know. And so he couldn't grasp it. Again, he was 36 weeks. So he was, a, he was, a, you know, not mature enough to be able to grab on correctly, I think, you know. Well, I didn't know that back then, but now I know that. Anyway, um... So he didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no support from the nurse. And um, she just took him from me and said, you know what, you can try again later. I'm just going to give him a bottle. And so she gave him the bottle. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll try again later. And I, I don't really remember much of that night. I just remember the next day that, you know, um, he hadn't peed or pooped yet so I kept checking the diaper there was nothing there and again when they brought him back to me I told them the same thing you know I, I want to breastfeed but you know I need help and they're like okay well you know just give them your nipple give them your breast and that's about it and again I didn't know what I was doing he didn't grab on to everything he just grabbed onto the nipple and it was pain and he wasn't getting anything so Again, this, the morning nurse took him from me and said, oh, it's okay, honey, you can try again later. And they gave him another bottle. And by the time my uh, visitors came, I think it was my uh, sister-in-law and, um, and my parents came, and um, they asked me, have you changed him? And I said, no, no, not yet, because he doesn't have anything. Well, sure enough, he had all his, what is it, <laughs> the the tarry poop, he had it, it was just awful. And I was like, oh, great. Now, you know, he, I've been checking this whole time. He hadn't had anything and they show up and there it is. 24 hours later, I was finally released to go home, you know, and they sent me home with a brand new baby, a stranger, if you will, because, you know, yeah, he was my baby, but he was a stranger to me. I, I hadn't developed that bond yet. So I was sent home with him. And I was basically alone. My mom was still mad. My dad, you know, was working and um, my boyfriend had to work and she pretty much had the uh, attitude of, 
you did this to yourself, you figure out what you're going to do. I was there home alone with the baby and I needed help. I needed help to go to the bathroom. I needed help to shower. I needed help to get up off the bed. I needed help for someone to bring me the baby because I was left so weak. And I laid down one day and I heard, I think this was like day five. I heard him kind of gurgle and it sounded like he wasn't breathing. I got so scared that I jumped right up. I forgot about all my pain and not being able to walk. And I just jumped up and ran over to his crib, which was still in the same room. And he was just there. It was just baby noises, you know. And I, that's when I instantly got that bond. Like five days later, I was like, this is my baby, you know, oh my goodness, if anything happens. And so I was just like, Finally, that bond finally came in, but it was day five. Up, up until then, I felt like, you know, he was just, you know, this stranger baby that I needed to do things for. Hi, friends. I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about this amazing skincare line that I've been using. It's called Halo Skincare. Their main ingredient is the Nobel Prize winning Epidural Growth Factor, or EGF, mixed with marine life and botanicals. Their tagline is meditation for the skin, bringing the inner glow to the face. And you know what? They're not kidding. I immediately saw a radiant glow in my face. And after two weeks of using their five-step routine, my pores were visibly smaller. The fine lines around my eyes were plumped and smoothed out. And there was even an improvement with my rosacea. No more flare-ups since I've been using Halo. It's cruelty-free, free of mineral oil, linoleum, or petroleum. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the drastic difference in my eyelids. They're lifted. My skin is firmer and I have a beautiful natural glow. And I can offer you a 25% discount just for being a listener of the show. Enter the promotional code PODCAST25 and I will link in the website and the code on the show notes. Now, back to our conversation. I, after the six weeks, I, I went back to school. I needed to graduate. I went back to school um, so that I can graduate. And I did. I graduated on time. I had extra credits and I finished with my friends. And the fact that I had um, extra credits allowed me to only go for four classes in the spring. And I was really lucky to, to be able to do that because I, I only went to school during the middle of the day. And then by the afternoon at lunchtime, I came home and I was able to go home to my baby. And it, it actually worked out pretty well for me. Um, but then again, it was because I was just determined to finish high school, especially since everybody was expecting me just to quit. I was determined to finish high school. So after the baby was born, we moved back in with my um, boyfriend's parents. And um, I had a lot of, I guess I had a lot of uh, in-law interference at the time with the baby because it was, a, it was a first grandchild. You know, it was a first grandchild and um, from the first son, you know, from, from their first child. And they didn't know me as a mom, I guess. They didn't know me from outside of him. I babysat in my family. So I knew how to take care of newborns. I knew how to take care of babies. I knew how to babysit. I, you know, I, I helped out a lot. So with my in-laws, they thought that I didn't know. I don't know why, or maybe they were just very protective, but they thought that I didn't know anything. And so there was a lot of interference going on where, um, 
I would be sleeping and my sister-in-law would sneak in and take the baby out of his crib, like while I was asleep. And, um, they would take, they would take him out and, and I would go out there and he was only like three months old at the time. And they were feeding him lollipops for breakfast because, you know, they thought, oh, you know, he needs lollipops because if he sees it, his little soft spot's going to fall in, which it, I know it doesn't make sense. Or they would start feeding him egg. And I'm like, he's barely three months old. I can't have him eating that stuff. Like you, why are you guys going into my room and taking him out of this crib? And so there's just a lot of interference. And then one, one time, um, or a couple of times, actually, my um, sister-in-law just decided that she wanted to take the baby to go visit her friends. And she would tell me like, oh, yeah, go ahead, take a shower. I'll watch him. So I would go in, I would take a shower, and I'd come back out, I'd be like, where's my baby? And she would be out with the baby in a car, on, with his car seat, you know, going to the mall or going to her friend's house, and she would just take the baby. And so it was just a lot of interference like that where I finally had to put a lock on the door. I did not trust leaving them watching the baby because they would just take him and like feed him like lollipops, you know? And so because of all that interference and, you know, again, I really think that it had to do with my age. You know, I was young. I was 17. They just didn't trust me, you know, and, but I was a good mom. I was a very good mom. Like my family didn't even have to think twice. They knew I was a good mom. So what I decided was if I didn't like the situation, I was just going to have to move. And um, so I started looking for a job and, and the best job that I found at the time, which was it was a seasonal job. It was for uh, Christmas. It was at the mall at working at Sesame Street. Sesame Street is kind of like uh, the Disney store, except for Sesame Street back then. And it was at the mall. And so I worked there and it, it didn't, you know, it was seasonal. So um, then I started babysitting when that was done. And then finally, I got like my real full, like my real full-time job working at FHP, which FHP is a med- was a medical clinic, kind of like Kaiser back then. And so I started working there and I was making $8.50 an hour. And back then that was, that was really good. That was actually really good back then. Um, because minimum wage back then I think was like $5, $5.75 or something like that. So I was making $8.50. So I thought this is really good. And at the same time, my aunt had bought a duplex in Downey, which is where I, where I was working. It was in Downey as well. And she bought a duplex and she's like, and she said she needed to rent out the other house. She was going to live in one. She needed to rent out the other house. And I thought, this is perfect. I can definitely, you know, afford the rent. It was, it was like $700. Like she expected in rent or no, I think it was even less. I think it was like 500. So $500, a two bedroom, one bathroom house, you know, very good, very good deal. And so I thought, you know, I can definitely do it. I can, you know, do this. And so I was telling my boyfriend and, or he was my husband at that time. I got married at 18. So, um, I was telling him like, we, we need to move. And he was just such a mama's boy that he just did not want to leave. And he didn't want to leave also because he didn't want the responsibility of, you know, making that kind of payment because he still, he was still young. He was like, what, uh, 20 at that time. Now he was 21 and he just wanted to party. And I thought, you know, this is it. We need to move. I, I had to start working because, you know, here was the baby outgrowing his shoes. And, you know, my husband wanted to, you know, spend money on beer and drugs or whatever, whatever he was doing. 
you know, instead of, you know, buying the baby's clothes, buying the baby's diapers and shoes and things like that, because his mom would help out a lot, which was, you know, it was nice that she would help out a lot, but, you know, it was our responsibility, you know, to take care of the baby. So I basically told him I had been saving money and, you know, it was, I had been working at FHP for three months and I was packing and I told him like, Hey, I'm leaving tomorrow. You know, I'm packing and I'm leaving tomorrow. Are you coming with us? And he kept telling me, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you tomorrow. And I said, look, this is it. I'm packing. You can either come with us or I will set up visitation rights for, for Adam. Adam is the baby, right? And that was it. Like when I gave him that ultimatum, he, he knew that I was serious, that I was going to leave. And so he packed up and we left. And, and I mean, I, I understand my in-laws felt, you know, a little betrayed because we just got up and left, but it, it wasn't like I wasn't telling them. They just didn't think that I was serious, you know? So I kept telling them like, we're going to move, we're going to move. And so we finally did. With all that, the baby turned one years old, you know, um, by the time we moved out, he was already a year old and he was just a, a, a super calm baby. He was very calm. He was very easygoing as a baby, but once he turned one, oh my God, he became super hyper. He was super hyper. He was literally jumping off walls, like literally. He was just running from room to room and he was just very impulsive. He um, was running from toy to toy and it was just constant motion, constant motion. And um, I know some of you are going to say, well, that's how, you know, babies are supposed to be. No, this was like to an extreme. It was just so much energy that he needed to burn where um, every piece of clothing was itchy to him. And not that he wanted me to take it off. He was just constantly fidgeting, constantly itching, constantly scratching himself. You know, he couldn't sit still. And um, it would get to the point where he would like start slamming his head against the door or if, like this emotional outburst that he would have. He'd start slamming himself against the door, breaking all the toys, um, just really screaming. And it was just, it was just, you know, it was a lot. It, but at the same time, he was also very sweet and very loving. You know, he was a good eater. He just couldn't sit still. You know, it was just, you know, um, a lot. And in, I thought, well, you know, he's a year old. <laughs> you know, this is normal, right? And um, when he started talking, he started talking in ex excess and just making noise just to make noise. And he would break everything. And even if he would get in trouble, he just would not stop like his motion like he just needed to be in motion to the point where he would he would end up hurting himself so that was a big concern so at three um at three and a half that's when he was finally diagnosed with ADHD and um but that's you know for another podcast as well and um during all this I was having you know a lot of problems in my marriage you know I was 19 um, with a full-time job, rushing home to make dinner. And my husband was, you know, 21 and he still wanted a party. He still wanted to act single and he would drink and, you know, um, do, I don't know what. And he would sometimes stay out all night and he wouldn't come home. So, you know, it, it was, it was very stressful for me because here I am, I'm 19, you know, I, I grew up very quickly, you know, I'm responsible for another person and, and I'm married and, 
and none of that is happening for me. You know, in the meantime, I'm seeing all my friends, you know, going to college or going to the military or, you know, partying, having fun, going to the beach, hanging out, you know, all without me, you know, and I wasn't doing any of that stuff because, you know, I was married and I had a baby and I had responsibilities. Like I felt like all my plans, you know, all my life plans were just ruined because my plan back in high school, when I was going to break up with him, my plan was I'm going to go to the Air Force after I graduate so that I can be a psychiatrist for the Air Force. And um, I felt robbed of it, you know. But at the same time, I knew that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have chosen a different path still with my son. Like, he was the love of my life. Like, he was just everything to me. I gave, and I gladly gave everything up once I found out that I was pregnant. But at the same time, I thought, hey, you know, first husband, you need to do the same thing. You need to also give up your partying ways. You also need to give up, you know, everything that you're doing because I gave it up. You know, and staying out all hours of the night and not coming home until the next day when you're married, that's not, that's not cool. You know, that's just not cool. And, and I had wanted to leave the marriage so badly. I had wanted to leave it because of this behavior, because of everything that we were going through. And, um, I would kept running away home. I can't even tell you how many times I ran away to my mom and, you know, told her like, this is it. It's not working. And she would tell me, you got married, go back and make it work. And that's what I would do. And um, because I had ran away so many times and I would end up coming back, you know, I, I wanted to make it like we both wanted to make it work. Like we wanted to make it work for Adam. You know, we, we, he really did keep us together. So when I was 20 and my husband was how old, 23, he, you know, finally started going to AA. He finally realized like what he was doing wasn't good. And if I were to do it, he wouldn't like it. So he started going to AA. He, um, and it, it was a blessing because back then it, it really worked out for us in our, in our marriage. And so since everything started working out for the sake of our marriage and the sake of the baby, um, we stay together and we just start, we started, um, planning on baby number two. So being that I'm 20, that is where the chapter of team mom ends and a new chapter begins. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and leave a comment on Apple Podcast or leave a voice message on Anchor FM. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or on Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.